Hello and welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. And today we got a wonderful, interesting segment that we're going to do. But would you like to say anything before we go any further, Aaliyah? So the other day we went to Eastview Mall in Victor, part of Rochester, New York. Mm -hmm. And we got a bunch of like stuff while we were out yesterday. And one of the, well, I should say a couple things I picked out for myself were those, uh, you know, those like mystery packs of these figural bag clips. And the funny thing is, too, is, like, I keep seeing these, and I keep thinking they're, like, chip clip bags, but they're not. They're the, they're little, like, keychains that you can attach to your bags, like, on the zippers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I bought one a couple months ago with Golden Girls figures. Yeah. This, and yesterday, I got one for horror and one for hocus pocus so i figure while we're doing the podcast i'll open them up and see what i got if it's one you don't like can i have it sure okay cool that works for me <laughs> so for the horror one oh i got pennywise uh, of course you did oh my god he looks so innocent but not really it's funny how he kind of looks cute but he's got these like little fangs and his <sighs> teeth so it's like a baby pennywise oh it's so rubbery I'm hoping that with this um, Hocus Pocus one, I either get Winifred or the Spellbook. I want Ice. I, <laughs> this yeah, is Yeah, it ice. has J and Ice yeah. also as options <laughs> if you get... If I, if I get Ice, Colin, you can have them. Yes. Oh, this I got one. Danny. Oh, oh. I, oh. Z- um, Max's sister? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know Danny. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I mean, Danny's these are cute. Okay. I don't know. I've I'm definitely going to post pictures of these on the Instagram page. I've seen better. But yeah. I want ice. Ugh, sucks. So, if you're seeing the title of this week's episode, then you know that we're going to be doing a three-part speed review on the Child's Play franchise. And we the might reason, as well. The reason why I wanted to do this was because, how long ago was it? Like a week or two ago? We watched... We watched the first season of Chucky because, what, it came out a year ago in October and I kind of fell asleep on watching it. Cause it you slept on it. Like, yeah, I we slept both on did. it. Yeah, I slept on we it We weren't hard. really sure how we were going to feel about it. Plus, I love the Child's Play franchises. Me too, yeah. And I wasn't too sure how I was going to feel about it, but I know that Don Mancini, the director from the original movie and line, like lineup of films, is directing it. He's bringing back a lot of like previous actors and concepts from the old movies into the show, which I thought was really cool. So we see Jennifer Tilly again. We see... Almost almost everyone. Yeah. Brad Dourif's daughter. Yeah. We see Andy. Yeah, we see Alex Vincent, who played Andy. And also Kyle, who uh, played his yeah, uh, the, babysitter or whatever. Yeah, so I figured we have covered a little bit of Child's Play. We did a remake debate episode about a year or so ago. Yeah, which I wasn't a fan of the remake, but... Which, yeah, yeah we'll touch a little bit more about when, when <sighs> we get into part two, I think. Because in the first part, we're going to be covering the first three films. So we're going to be covering today... Parts 1, 2, and 3 of the Child's Play lineup. And then next week we're going to be covering Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, and the Child's Play remake. And then in part 3, we're going to be covering Curse of Chucky, Cult of Chucky, and Season 1 of the Chucky Show. Because, I don't know if anybody saw it, but not too long ago, they released the trailer for the Season 2 of Chucky's, which we both saw after we watched the first season. And we're pretty stoked to see how season two turns out. So 
we're definitely looking forward to that in October. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, amongst other things, also. Do you want to get started on... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's get started on the first one. I might do, as well do it now. I do want to point out a quick fun fact before we get this started, because if you've seen the Child's Play movies and you know the concept of Chucky, you know his origin story, but... The first draft of the script was completed in the summer of 1985 and referenced Chucky as Buddy, who came to life after mixing blood with Andy and killed those against Andy, manifesting Andy's loneliness and isolation from an overworked mother and absent father. In addition to being more psychologically driven in horror films, Buddy also came alive at night when Andy was asleep. Many scenes from later sequels originated in this draft, like Andy's teacher's death and the climax set in the toy factory in Child's Play 2, ending with mixing blood in the melted plastic, which is in Child's Play 3, and then Andy's teenage babysitter getting electrocuted, which was also a reference made in Bride of Chucky. Buddy was supposed to have a pull string in his back to speak, and later it was revealed that he was alive, he would pull it farther out of his back to the point where his voice deepens and tries to use the strength to strangle Karen. Mm-hmm. Isn't that an interesting concept? Yeah, but I'm that's surprised they more, didn't do that. That seemed like a much more darker concept than what we got. Yeah, but I guess they didn't want to do that. Yeah. So, the original Child's Play movie was released on November 9th, 1988, has a runtime of an hour and 28 minutes, and it's directed by Tom Holland. Not to be confused with the Tom Holland from the Spider-Man movies. Which I always thought. I was just like, wow, that's Tom Holland. <laughs> it stars Brad Dourif, Alex Vincent, Chris Sarandon, and Catherine Hicks. And the synopsis goes, Gunned down by Detective Mike Norris, dying murderer Charles, Re Charles Lee Ray uses black magic to put his soul inside a doll named Chucky, which Karen Barkley then buys for her young son Andy. When Chucky kills Andy's babysitter, the boy realizes the doll is alive and tries to warn people. What are your thoughts? Oh, there's really no thoughts to it, but it's just, it's child's play. It's a classic. I mean, I watched this movie when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I like the concept of what they're doing with this, especially adding voodoo to it. Yes. And I think that was great because there was a, there was a few movies back then that were popularizing voodoo, especially with... Uh, the same year that came out, uh, Rainbow and the Serpent, Serpent, and, Serpent Rainbow. and the Rainbow. I yep. always get that mixed up, but no. Um, but like they had a few movies that, that definitely added like voodoo to it. I feel like '80s movies with voodoo is always fun. So yeah. I feel like when they culminated this into it, I feel like it was definitely that perfect mix of right. like supernatural and like slasher. Right. So yeah. My review for mm. this goes: This is a good plot concept that brings a good sense of wonder and the supernatural. The writing combined with the pacing builds up the climax of the movie really well. I did get a bit annoyed every time Andy yelled Chucky's name and we all know at this point Chris Sarandon can be kind of a douche in real life but I thought his performance in it was decent at best. Oh yeah, but it's so funny because Tom Holland, uh, Tom Holland, really uh, he decorated, not decorated, he de directed. I hate mornings. Uh, directed Fright Night. So, oh really? Yeah. So Tom Holland directed Fright Night, and he had Chris Sarandon in that. So he kind of figured with this movie, 
Chris Randon would be the perfect good guy in this, even though he plays a better bad guy in movies. I did want to point out a cool <sighs> fun fact, too. So the, there's a scene in where Andy's babysitter, Karen Barkley's friend, Maggie, mm-hmm. before she gets killed, she's being stalked by Chucky mm-hmm. in the house. You do see a bit of an image that looks like Chucky stalking her in the house. It's actually played by Alex Vincent's younger sister. So, like, remember how we were watching in the Chucky season? There were actual, like, children dressed up as Chucky. Yeah. To kind of, like, mimic the real-life action movements. Mm -hmm. So that was who was playing Chucky. Which I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, to, like, mimic those real-life movements. That was Alex Vincent's younger sister, which I thought was really cool. Like I said, Which one's Alex Vincent again? Andy. Oh, yeah, that's right. I thought it was really cool. I did like it. I mean, as a kid, when I would watch, like, clips of this movie, I would get really freaked out. And it was actually, like, to me, as a kid, it would be one of the last movies I would ever want to watch. And I would definitely get nightmares from watching this movie. So that was a pretty good concept to think about and look back on, like, as a kid. But when you watch it again as an adult, it's kind of like, it takes away the suspense and the scariness of it all. And you can still watch and appreciate it for what it is, which is a movie that you can have fun watching. And I know that I said last week when we were talking about Nope, when a movie or horror movie genuinely makes me scared, it does a good job of... To me, that's it, that's to me that says that the movie did a good job of doing what it was supposed to do, which was scare me into watching it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie, it was just fun to watch. You know, the the moments where Chucky was stalking his victims, and you know, the apprehensiveness of murdering them was like thrilling. But at the end of the day, it's still like a two foot tall doll that's like murdering people, which is kind of like silly to think about now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's cool though. And I, I've always liked, like we said, the voodoo aspect behind the mythology right. of this doll. I've always liked that concept a lot more than when they did the remake, which, again, we'll get into more in part of in, in part two. But to kind of bring up the voodoo aspect, I found this one interesting cri- uh, fun fact about the movie. So Catherine Hicks, who plays Karen Barkley, and Kevin Yeager, who plays Chucky's creator, I believe he's the voodoo practitioner that Chucky learns from, mm-hmm. met on set and got married a year later. What? Yeah, which I think is interesting. Okay. It's cool how people meet through their work. Another interesting fact I found was Chucky's full name is Charles Lee Ray and is derived from the names of notorious killers such as Charles, Charles Manson, Manson, Lee Harvey Oswald, and James Earl Ray. Two, two of those are actually mm-hmm. assassinators. Do you want to do a brief rundown of the, of the plot of the movie? Do I? Yeah, for Child's Play. Didn't we already put down this, the plot? We talked a little bit about certain plot points, but mm-hmm. I think just to try to summarize what this movie is about. So, in the beginning, we see a cop chasing after... A criminal, which we come to realize is Charles Lee Ray, who plays who's played by Brad Dorif. The cop in question is Detective Mike Norris, who's played by Chris Sarandon, and he chases him after wounding him with a with a gunshot mm-hmm. into a toy store. And there's all these good guy dolls, which which killed him, but yeah. Well, not the dolls. No, but, but his body, his actual body. He but died. before he dies, he transfers his soul using voodoo magic to into transfer his soul into this doll mm-hmm. and then he hides the doll back in the box and then he dies but that's really you know we think that's the end of it for 
Charles Lee Ray, at least. But, it, you know, we end up seeing later on that Karen Barkley, single mom to Andy Barkley, is trying to do something special for Andy's birthday. Because I think he turns five or six in this movie. Six. Actually, a six-year-old boy. Okay. So he turns six, and, you know, she's a single mom. She's working, you know, probably one or two jobs on her own. She, you know, has her friend babysit Andy. And she just wants to make things special for him for his birthday. So he's been having his heart set on a good guy doll, but she knows she can't afford one at a department toy store. Mm -hmm. So her friend Maggie finds this peddler in the alleyway of their department store and says he's selling a good guy doll for cheap. He's like, you can, like buy it off of him and give Andy a good birthday. So she goes, she finds the peddler, buys the Chucky doll from him, or a good guy doll, and then brings it home to Andy. And, you know, he's playing with it, he's having a good time, but she's got to go back to the store because she picked up an extra shift that night, so she gets Maggie to watch Andy for the remainder of the night. And then this is where we see, you know, Maggie is putting Andy to bed, she's staying up, she's cleaning up the kitchen, And then somewhere along the night, she gets pushed out of a window and onto a bus or some sort of vehicle. I can't remember what kind of vehicle exactly. I think it's a car. I thought thought it was a bus. I might be wrong, but I think it was a bus. If it was a bigger vehicle, maybe, yeah. So after that happens, police are called. Karen rushes home from work, finds out what happened, and she's, you know, devastated by what happened to her friend. But Andy, this is when Andy starts to say, you know, Chucky pushed her. Like, Chucky said something mean about Aunt Maggie and, you know, said he did something about it. And another thing is, too, that we notice in, in, like, this scene where Andy's getting ready for bed and Maggie's cleaning up the kitchen. There's this constant thing going on on the news on the TV that Chucky seems pretty adamant about watching. Like, he convinces Andy, you know, like, Andy's flipping through the channels. He sees the news bulletin. He's like, you know, I want to watch the news. So he puts the news back on, and they're watching this story about... The death of Charles Lee Ray and his accomplice, Eddie Caputo, is still at large. And it's believed that Eddie was the one who ratted Chucky out the night that he died. Mm-hmm. So Chucky wants to watch this segment of the news. Maggie doesn't want to keep the TV on. She tries to turn the TV off, and then Chucky keeps putting it back on. So I feel like because of this interaction is what drives Chucky to kill Maggie. Because, oh, okay. you know, again... I don't know why Chucky does what he does. It's never really been fully explained. He just likes to kill people, I guess. It's insane. But I feel like with this, it to me feels like Chucky look at, looks at this encounter <sighs> as like, you know, this bitch is doing me wrong. Or this person is doing me wrong. I want to watch the news. I want to find out what's going on with my case. And she's not letting me figure it out. So she's doing me wrong. So she's getting what she deserves, which in his mindset is murdering her. But that's what I think his mindset is going to when he sets out to kill Maggie. Yeah. So after Maggie dies, Andy starts to say, you know, Chucky said this. And it's definitely not something that you would hear a six-year-old say when they claim that, oh, my doll told me that Aunt Maggie was a bitch. Or, you know, my doll told me that, I don't know, something something weird. And it's just, it's very off-putting for a six-year-old to say something like that, even if he's claiming that it's coming from his doll. So Karen finds this odd, but she doesn't think anything of it. So the next day she takes Chucky to sc- or not Chucky. She takes Andy to school, who has Chucky with him, and Chucky convinces him, we need to go to downtown. So they go to downtown, and they go to, like, a very seedy part of the city. 
and it's where they go to this shack by the river because it's in Detroit, right? Yeah, it's it where, is. where the movie takes place. Yeah. So they're in Detroit, and it's winter time. It's very cold outside. Andy's all bundled up in like winter clothes. So Chucky tells him, "Here, put me down here. I want to look at the river." So Andy puts him down, and he says, "Okay, I gotta go pee." So he goes off to pee, and then this is when Chucky decides this is my time to get Eddie. Because where he takes Andy or convinces Andy to go is the shack where Eddie Caputo is hiding out. So he goes into the shack and he's stalking Eddie. In an interesting fashion that we don't usually see often in a lot of horror movies, he turns the gas on on his stove and it fills up the whole house or shack with gasoline. And he keeps stalking and scaring Eddie to the point where he... You know, Eddie feels like he needs to draw his gun and shoot at whoever is stalking him. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, he doesn't realize that when he fires the gun, the house is filled up with gasoline. So now when he shoots the gun, the whole fucking shack explodes. Yeah. Or do you want to fill in where it goes from there? What, after? After Eddie Caputo gets blown up by Chucky. Where do we go from here? (laughs) Turn all the lights down now. I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling that. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Be like, I'm, I'm not feeling this right I'm now. not feeling finesse today. This is Sunday. This is not finesse Sunday. Okay. All right. This is non-finesse Sunday. So, after that, they, uh, the mother gets a call and saying that, you know, her son is actually down in the police station. Oh, and, yeah. Okay. And they basically, they question Andy, mm-hmm. explaining to them that Chucky did all this stuff, especially with the house and everything, and that it exploded. So, you're yeah. right. They, yeah. Police are called, they go down, they discover Andy and Chucky near the crime scene. So Mike Norris picks him up, takes him back to the station, calls Karen Barkley. She comes down and she's wondering what's going on. He fills her in saying, well, Eddie Caputo, who was an accomplice to Charles Lee Ray, the Lakeside Strangler, I think that was his name mm-hmm. in the media. You know, yes, it was. Like, they, they, they tell her like he was blown up today in his hideout shack. But your son and his doll were nearby, and we want to know why. And Andy's telling them that Chucky told him to go to this location, and the next thing he knew, the house was blown up. Yeah. And he he, he does confirm that Chucky had at one point said that Eddie Caputo got what he deserved by blowing himself up. And, you know, this causes a lot of concerns for the police department and Andy's mom. Because now they're hearing a six-year-old boy saying a lot of things about a case that he shouldn't know about and knowing certain details about a case that, again, as a six-year-old boy, you should know about. Yeah. And that you know about Charles Lee Ray, you know about Eddie Caputo, and that your doll is telling you to do these things. Yes. So the mother was trying to get Andy to talk and say that it wasn't Chucky, but it really was. But she didn't believe it at all. So now the police take the matters in their own hands and take Andy away from their mother, from his mother. They encouraged her to get him psychologically evaluated. Yeah. So, so the the psych ward does take Andy to a facility and they hold him there for a day. Yeah. And then so Karen, she goes, she goes home with Chucky. Yep. And she was kind of concerned because sure she didn't believe in Andy, but there were some things she felt like there was something not right. Yeah. So that's why she looked at the box and looked at Chucky and mm-hmm. basically turned him around and looked inside his battery well, thing. Well, 
she was playing around. The, she was looking over the box. Yeah. She lifted up the box from the kitchen counter, the and a batteries pack, not included. Well, the pack of the oh. good guy batteries fell out. Yes. And okay. there's actually something in here that's really interesting. Oh, okay. So the original working title for the film was "Batteries Not Included." Before it became known, Steven Spielberg was also making a film with a similar title. It was then changed to "Blood Buddy" before settling on "Child's Play." Blood Buddy. Blood Buddy. How would you feel about that if that was a movie? That is not a title that I would feel drawn to. One of the biggest franchises of all time called Blood Buddy. Yeah, if I heard of a movie called Blood Buddy, I would be second-guessing whether or not I wanted to watch that film. But I'm glad that they decided to go with that, you know... Well, Child's Play feels like it's very pun-intended, too. Right. Like, in different ways. You could take that and put it in different... Like, you can mean it in different ways. Yeah. And I think that's why they chose Child's Play, because it was clever, and plus, you know, you can use it any way possible. Yeah. And I think that was a good, you know, it's interesting, because like I said, Karen Barkley, she picks up the box, the good guy doll box, and the batteries fall out, and she realizes that she's been seeing this doll blink, talk, Talk, move, and without its batteries. Mm -hmm. So she goes into the living room where the doll is, and she picks it up. And she flips him over, and she checks the battery pack inside, and it's empty. And Chucky this is turns when, his head yeah, around. This is when Chucky decides to spin his head around and yell, like, Hi, I'm Chucky. want to play? play? Which freaks her out, rightfully so, and yeah. she drops it, and it rolls under the yeah, couch. Yeah, Chucky, the roll he did and was hilarious. This is probably one of the most iconic scenes in horror cinema, because this is the moment where we get the big reveal of Chucky being actually, like, alive and walking and talking and cursing because I'm going to take like 30-45 minutes for that to actually happen Yeah. so after he rolls underneath the couch because Karen bends down picks him up by the arm and like holds him up you know like a like you normally would with a baby because this thing is big you can like hold it like a baby like underneath the arms and like hold it up and she starts to like shake and he's like talk talk I know you can talk to me and it doesn't say anything at first until she threatens to burn it alive in the fireplace. And he wasn't going for and that. And when, once she made that threat is when the big reveal happens. And he's like, you fucking bitch. And he starts like flailing his arms and legs. Yeah, and I'm a bites you. her arm. Yeah. And yeah, that's like the most iconic scenes, I think, in horror yeah, the cinema. most iconic scenes. Yeah. yeah. And it's a really powerful scene because, again, it shows a seemingly innocent doll become totally violent and evil towards a grown woman Uh so she drops the doll and chucky runs out of the apartment and i think he leaves that apartment and goes and stalks mike norris the detective Mm -hmm. because now because it's not it's no longer about it it, he's still on this rampage of like killing people who have wronged him Mm -hmm. so the babysitter eddie caputo mike norris was the detective who killed him so, of course, he's going to go after him next. And this was after the exchange that Karen had with Mike Norris after Chucky attacked her. And she shows him the bite mark. He says, you know, like, what happened? And she's like, Chucky bit me. And he doesn't believe her that it, that happened. And she said, I'm going to go find the peddler who sold the doll to me. Because he's got to know more about where this doll came from than anybody. So she goes there, and he warns her, like, you know homeless community in Detroit is not a safe place to go to really in, from what they depict in the movie. I, I'm 
wouldn't assume it's like that in most places, but, you know, they do say be mindful of people. So she goes down there. He gets in this car. He sees what happens with him and Chucky, and that's when he realizes that Karen was telling the truth, and he goes to find her. So he goes to the peddler or homeless camp in Detroit, and Karen, Karen nearly gets attacked by the same peddler from that sold her the doll. Mm-hmm. So Mike Norris comes in, he stops the peddler, he pins him up, and he's you know asks him, like, where'd you get the doll? Like, just tell her where you got the doll. And he confirms, I got the, Ch- I got the Chucky doll, or the good guy doll, from that toy store. The, the, same, same, toy the store. same toy store that Mike Norris shot and killed Charles Lee Ray in. So Mike Norris puts two and two together. And, uh, you know, like I said, after the encounter he had with the doll, after the peddler's confirmation of where he got the doll, he now realizes that the doll is, in fact, possessed by the soul of Charles Lee Ray, the Lakeside Strangler. But what they don't understand is how does a serial killer transfer his soul into a doll? Mm-hmm. So Mike Norris pulls up his files about the Lakeside Strangler case and noti- notices that Char- like Charles Lee Ray, or Chucky, as he formally goes, or not formally, but as he like casually goes by, he knows that Chucky has an accomplice or an associate who taught him the art of voodoo named John. So they go to John's apartment, but not before Chucky gets to him. I actually love that scene with uh, Chucky seeing John. Yeah. Especially when the uh, effects that they have with Chucky and how he encounters him and yes. his movements and everything are pretty amazing. Yes. So Chucky goes to John's apartment first because in his encounter with Mike Norris, Mike does shoot the doll and he sees that he's bleeding. Doesn't believe that he's, he sees that he's bleeding, but he's like, this shouldn't be happening. If I'm an inanimate object, I shouldn't be able to bleed. So that's why he goes to John. And he said, I tried the spell that you taught me, but now I'm bleeding as a doll. Like, why, why is that? Because he's turning human. Yeah, so he's, John explains to him that you're, you're getting, your soul is getting too settled into this body. So now your body and like human soul are becoming one with this vessel. Like, if you don't find another vessel to transfer your soul into, then you're going to be stuck in that doll forever. But he tells them the only way that you can do it is if you transfer your soul into a vessel of a person that you've confided your true identity with. And Chucky knows at this point, the only person I've revealed my true identity to was Andy, the six-year-old. So that's when he kills John the voodoo practitioner doesn't I mean he maims him but Mike Norris and Karen show up at John's apartment and John was able to tell Karen and warn her that he's going to go after Andy and you got to get to the boy before Chucky does so they rush to the facility but again not before Chucky does and Chucky kills one of the doctors at the psychiatri- at the psychiatric facility. What do you think? Yeah, because he was gonna do um, gonna he was actually gonna put a needle in him, I think, right? And then he was so like a shot. So what happens is is that Chucky gets to the facility uh, and Andy can see from his window window he could see him that he can see that Chucky's trying to get into the facility to get to him. So he starts panicking. He starts calling out to the doctors, to the guards, and saying, like, Chucky's going to kill me. Somebody save me. So he does manage to get out of his room to avoid Chucky, but he's then captured by the doctor. The doctor thinks that all Andy needs is a sedative to calm down. So he takes him into the room where it's usually used for uh, shock 
treatment. But that's when Chucky kind of, you know, ends up subduing the doctor, puts the shock helmet on, and then flips all the lights or the switches on and electrocutes the doctor. It's a very gruesome scene, too. Like, a very gruesome kill. Mm -hmm. But Andy runs away at this point. He's trying to run away from Chucky. Mm -hmm. Karen and Mike get to him in time, and they bring him back to the apartment where Chucky then follows them. And, yeah, it's, it's, it becomes this big showdown between Karen and Mike and Chucky. And Chucky's chasing them around the apartment, and eventually, you know, we think it's going to be the end for Chucky when Karen and Andy conceal him in the fireplace and they set him ablaze. And then rush to Mike, who's been wounded by Chucky, and then Andy goes back to get bandages. When he goes back into the living room, he sees that the fireplace is empty and that Chucky's no longer there. Mm-hmm. And then, plot twist, Chucky doesn't fully die. He's burned to a crisp, but he doesn't fully die. He goes back into the bedroom, tries to kill Karen, Andy, and Mike. Karen shoots Chucky's vessel, his doll vessel, through the heart, through the head, and kills him completely. Oh, again, at least we think so. So, you know, the police show up. Uh, Mike's partner, I forgot the name of the partner's name. I forgot too. But his partner comes into the bedroom where Mike, Karen, and Andy are, and he picks up the Chucky head, and he puts it on the shelf next to him, and he's standing in front of an air vent, and he's like, well, Mike, what should, what, what's going on here? Like, what's this all about? And he said, you wouldn't believe me if I tell you. I believe he says something along those lines. And that's when Chucky, Chucky's body pops out of the air vent and starts to strangle the partner. Mm-hmm. So he throws the body of the doll off of him, and I think Karen, again, grabs the gun, shoots the head, shoots the body again, and it should have completely killed it at this point. But now that the partner has seen for himself what this doll is capable of doing, you know, he's like... He even said that they're not going to believe them. Yeah. He's like, so what do we, you know, what do we do? He's like, how do we report this? And Mike's like, I don't know. He's like, who's going to believe any of us? So that's kind of how the movie ends. Yeah, and because then, it's not really a happy ending either. Yeah, like, it's a happy ending in one aspect because the threat is now gone. But at the same time, it's like, how do you explain away these deaths surrounding this six-year-old boy and his mother who are claiming that a doll killed it, that killed all these people? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we explain that and then, you know, see what happens in part two? And, yeah, we'll, we'll go into more when we get into part two. But what do you think so far? Well... Like, your overall thoughts of Child's Play 1. I just think it's sad because there's really no um, happy ending, no solution, no nothing. I mean, besides killing Chucky, no one's not going to believe them. Basically, their lives are going to be total shit Right. after that. So, really... I look at Child's Play as a very sad tale, especially for a family that's already broken because there's really no father figure there. Well, it's, I wouldn't say it's a broken family. I mean, I it's... I feel like it kind of is. Well, you, you're a child of divorce, so of course you feel I'm that way. I'm a child of separation, but yes. Still, I'm a child of divorce too. So, yeah, I understand that concept, but I wouldn't call them a broken family because most families today can still be able to get by with just one parent. I know. I'm saying that I'm saying that in this instance you have a single mom with a young son and a doll. And both the mother and the son are claiming that this doll 
had the ability to kill all these people. Now, the only people who believe them are the cop and his partner. That's it. You don't have anybody else who's directly connected to this case who's able to back up their statements. So, of course, people are going to look at them and say, you're crazy. Like, we don't believe you. We don't believe that a doll could have came to life and murdered all these people. Especially when all these people are close to you by association. Mm -hmm. And it could easily be explained the way that Karen might have had something to do with the killings. So she is a grown woman who we've all seen in the media and in stories. Women can be capable of killing other people. So I see why her absence is there in part two, which again, we'll get into when we get into part two, but it's kind of hard to see like how we got from the ending of part one to the beginning of part two with the absence of Karen Barkley and Mike Norris. Because we hear about what happened to them, but we never actually see what happens to them. So we kind of got to fill in those blanks ourselves and go from there. Mm -hmm. So what do you think overall about Child's Play 1? Is it a, do you think it was a good movie? Like, how would you rate it? It's a good movie. It's a classic. Um, I would probably rate it from like 8 out of 10. Well, we usually do 5 stars. Alright, fine. I give about 4. 4 out of 5. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because my personal rating was... About a 9.7 out of 10, which would be about a 4.5 out of 5. Like there, again, there were things that I liked about it, some things I didn't like. But overall, I thought it was a good movie. Like I said, Child's Play is one of my favorite franchises. It's got a lot of suspense, some horror. It's very definitely nightmare fuel for me to some degree. Any other thoughts you want before we get into part two? Nope. All right, so we are at the 33-minute mark of this episode, so I think we're going to try to get through the next two as quickly as possible. So Child's Play 2 was released on November 9th, 1990, which is about a year, no wait, two years after the release of the previous film. It has a runtime of an hour and 24 minutes, and it was directed by John LaFia. It stars Brad Dourif again, Alex Vincent, Christine Elise McCarthy, who I believe plays Kyle, Kyle yep. and Jenny Agutter, I think that's her last name. I might be mispronouncing it, and I apologize if I do. And the synopsis goes, two years after serial killer Charles Lee Ray inserted his soul into a good guy doll, a toy company attempts to recreate the toy. With Chucky back, he makes his way back to Andy Barkley to finish what he started. So, yeah, I, I think what's really interesting about the sequels going forward from here is that they don't waste time to introduce Chucky into the story. Really? Like, yeah. in this one, we see a board meeting of members who are trying to rebrand the good guy doll image after what the rumors from the Barclays have done to kind of, like, tarnish their good name, I guess. Mm. No pun intended. But... There was something that goes awry when making the the second good guy doll. I mean, they make it, they make more, but along the way, a uh, worker gets killed. Do you remember that scene? The worker gets killed, and then while that happened, the machine kind of had this electric thing that goes into what is it? Like it's not it's a like thunder. It's like a haywire. Like it's a like haywire, haywire that kind of possesses. Uh, Chucky to come back to life, which was kind of weird how that happened because yeah. there was no way that could well, happen. I think there's a theory to that. I think to some degree, from beyond the grave, the spirit of Charles Lee Ray is still working his voodoo magic to 
try to insert his soul into yet another good guy doll. Like we see when he tries to attempt to do these rituals, a cloud forms over his location and it, you know, causes this weird like electronic storm mm-hmm. sort of. So I think to that extent that could be what's happening in this opening scene. And then one of the executive board members takes the good guy doll after the meeting, puts it in his car, he's driving somewhere, and that's when Chucky decides to come to life and kill this board member. And it's very Yeah. It's very quick and to the point, which I like. Mm -hmm. I don't I like I like it when they get to like the point of it all. I feel like with this Chucky, he's a little more sadistic than the first one, but he's like also starting to have those flashes of like comedy and one liners coming in more than the first one. Because, a little bit. Because in the first one, it's just like... It's always like this with every killer. In the very first movie, they have their darkness and they're very much more creepy and uh, menacing than the than their sequels. Yes. And then, and then in their sequels, that's where they kind of give them these characters and their personalities and then like how they shine. And they did that with Freddy and they did that, well, not Jason, but they still gave them a few little funny kills that they had here and there in the next sequels. Yeah, but I think I think in terms of like, I mean, not to go off topic here, but with the Friday the 13th, it's like you have the same killer who doesn't speak has really no motivation for killing anything, yeah. but he does it. So you've got to think of a different way to resurrect him and then put him in new locations with different people <sighs> to kind of like continue the story arc of Jason. Yeah. But with Chucky well, here, is definitely yeah. different. Chucky's story arc is usually about the consistency. It's like you're brought back to life in the form of a new doll and your mission is to find Andy Barkley and either finish what you started and transferring your soul into his body or eventually just setting out to kill him because Mm -hmm. he's the one that got away, essentially. So like we mentioned in part one, when we leave off at the ending, it's very bleak. Because even though the Barclays and Mike Norris destroyed Chucky, there's the repercussions that come with the ending of it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's still this notion that all these people died surrounding Karen and Andy. So what do we do here? Well, the scapegoat would be to blame Karen Barkley f- for being, like, insane or something. Taking Andy, putting him in a foster home, and putting Karen in a psychiatric facility. Which is what is implied here in part two. Mm-hmm. So... Andy's in foster care. He's about to be rehomed to another family, and I can't remember for the life of me what their last names are. I forgot, but the woman who's the mother in that family is actually, she's an American werewolf in London. She plays a nurse. I know their first names are Joanne and Phil. Mm -hmm. That's them. That's the married couple. And they already have have a foster daughter named Kyle. Kyle, yeah. Who is like a rebel teenager. She's like a little bad girl. Yeah, she's like, again, a rebel teenager. She doesn't listen to their, she doesn't abide by their rules. She doesn't get along with any other, like anybody else. But she sympathizes with Andy and what he's struggling with. And he gets brought into their home and he quickly has to like learn the layout and the rules of their house. Like he can't touch any of like the fragile figurines. He has to be responsible for his own messes. And when he goes into his new room, he discovers that there is a good guy doll there. And he kind of has, like, a PTSD moment. Where, which that is horrifying. Which it is. And it's definitely something that we see him struggle with throughout his life, even as an adult in the later movies. So he sees this good guy doll. He freaks out. So the couple decides that we're going to help Andy face his fears. 
and encourage him to embrace this doll and not be afraid of it anymore. Which, I'm sorry, you cannot do that to somebody. You can't just expect them to get over trauma like that That's when right. it's yeah. yeah, and it doesn't go well. I mean, obviously Andy doesn't reciprocate. He tries to, but mm -hmm. he still can't get over the notion that this doll has the potential to be evil, just like he experienced in the last film. Mm -hmm. So this new doll who goes by Tommy, they have him, and then eventually Chucky does find Andy. He disposes of Tommy and then kind of just steps in and assumes this role as the good guy doll Tommy, seemingly innocent, and then eventually does make it known to Andy that I'm here again trying to take over your body. He ties Andy to the bed one night and attempts... That was scary. Yeah, wake, Andy wakes up in the middle of the night. He's bound and gagged on his bed. Chucky's hovering over him, and he's trying to attempt another voodoo ritual. Thankfully, Kyle sneaks into his room from a party, and Chucky kind of goes dormant, and Andy decides, like, I don't want this doll anymore anywhere near me. So he, she throws him out, but obviously to no avail, because Chucky's just going to climb out of the trash can and follow Andy again. So Andy goes to school the next day. Chucky follows him. The school it, thing was horrifying. The like, school th scene was terrifying. Especially when he comes out of that door with that yes. goddamn ruler. So. Oh my god. He follows Andy to school. Andy sees him. But he, you know, can't shake the fear that Chucky has again followed him. Now he's at school. He's not safe there. So Andy skips school during recess. Actually, no, wait. I'm lying. I take that back. So... The teacher puts Andy in detention because she believed that he snuck Chucky into school, mm -hmm. which is against the rules. So she takes Chucky and she puts him in the closet, locks him in there with Andy. Andy hops out of the window and runs away, ditches school. Teacher comes back, sees that Andy's missing, thinks she has gotten into the closet to try to get the doll. So she opens up the closet. She's trying to look for him, and that's when Chucky pump pops out with an air pump and stabs her in the chest with it. Now, she falls back, but she's not dead. And it's when we see Chucky walk out with, a like, a yardstick. Yeah, and it's, starts, a, it's a ruler. Well, a ruler is, like, a foot long. It's this big. And I'm, I'm holding my hands up, very, like, not, yeah, both, not much a distance. Very big ruler. A yardstick is much bigger. <sighs> and it, obviously, we see the scene. He does quite a bit of damage to her. Mm-hmm. So after that happens, Andy goes back to the house, and then the Phil, the dad, mm. or the husband, has finally had enough with what's happened. And I think another thing I kind of glossed over, remember I mentioned the rule about not touching the valuables or the fragile items? Chucky takes one of Joanne's most precious figurines and uses it to bash Tommy, the other doll, his face in. Mm -hmm. So obviously that breaks they find it and they confront the kids about it they think kyle did it she didn't so they ground her she's staying at home and andy's trying to find chucky because he knows that chucky's not going to stop until he gets what he wants so he seeks out to look for chucky he takes an electric like carving knife goes into the basement to try to find him phil finds him the foster dad and tries to encourage andy to drop the knife and you know step away from it and that he thinks that andy's gonna try to harm somebody chucky trips phil as he's going down the stairs and phil sees him yeah he has phil like tripping and falling but he's caught on something by his ankle 
and he sees Chucky standing there, and, and I think it's kind of hilarious when he sees Chucky, and Chucky's like, how's it hanging, Phil? Because he's hanging upside yeah. down. So Chucky pulls on whatever is suspending him, and then he falls and breaks his neck, and he dies. Joanne sees what happens, calls the cops. They already are aware of what happened at school, so they call the foster care system. That's when the woman who runs it shows up there, says, we're going to take Andy back, we're going to get him reevaluated, but they said, obviously, this is not a good fit. So they leave, and then Chucky kills Joanne while Kyle is outside. She hears a ruckus going on in the window, so Kyle runs up to see what's going on. And that's when she finds Joanne has been killed. Chucky encounters Kyle, tries to subdue her or knock her out, mm-hmm. and eventually to hold her hostage, tells her, you need to take me to Andy. So they drive to the foster care system, and he kills the, what the what woman's name? I can't remember that woman's name, the one who runs the foster care system. I'm I so sorry. what her name is, but yeah. But he kills her, takes off with Andy. They run to the good guy factory toy like factory and this is where like this weird cat and mouse chase begins but i love it because it's so terrifying so kyle and andy are running away from chucky chucky is trying to find them and every time they go through a certain obstacle in this factory chucky gets more and more maimed yeah, and gets hurt. they get closer and closer to him catching up to them and killing them yeah but eventually good triumphs over evil and they're able to it, you know, blow him up. He gets tortured so bad. He gets factory. mangled. Yeah. Like, his his limbs, his bottom limbs get, like, melted. He gets his hand caught in a bar at one point and rips it off. Yeah. And then he takes, a, like, a pocket knife and sticks it into the limb and, like, tapes it up. Oh, yeah. Almost like a Ash yeah. Williams in Evil Dead 2. Yeah. Which I thought was really cool. And I was like, it's, it's terrifying. And I think the big thing, again, I'm glossing over is... The fact that when they do, when Andy and Chucky get to the factory, Chucky does attempt the ritual again. But because he's been in that body so long, it doesn't work. So now he's angry at Andy. And he tries to kill him. So he tries to do the whole thing, and when he finally did it, he's stuck. Yeah, he couldn't do it because he's been in the doll for too long. So now Kyle comes to the rescue, gets Andy away from Chucky, and they run away. Mm -hmm. So... Like I said, eventually, good triumphs over evil. They managed to blow Chucky up again, and the credits roll. And again, we don't really know what happens between Kyle and Andy after that point. We no. we again we have our theories in part three. But what did you think about part two? I just thought that one was just. I mean, it's a little tiny silly, but it's not too silly. Exactly. I mean, it's kind of like the beginning of what what is going to be silly for the next one but i feel like uh i like chucky in this one a lot because he's very a lot more menacing a lot more sadistic sadistic and like i think he's very assertive in this yeah but i just his facial expressions too i love when what they do with his uh with the puppets in this one and how they make them and like their face expressions especially when he looks terribly terrified when he smiles yeah especially when he has the uh, yardstick and just that face when he has the yardstick forever haunts me yeah and actually interesting thing fun fact about part two is the good guy doll tommy is named after the original child's play director tom holland yeah and then that makes sense and then my review was 
it still holds up as a creepy slasher sequel. Chucky's living doll presence is still unsettling, even with some added humor. It also showcases life for the survivors after the events of the first film, like I mentioned. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't just, again, it wasn't just we killed the doll, the evil is over. You still have all these murders that are unaccounted for and unresolved. So, what do you do? You find a scapegoat. you got to blame it on somebody. And since we can't blame it on a doll or on the soul of a dead criminal, you have to blame it on the people who are closely relative to the cases, and that's Karen Barkley. Mm-hmm. So with these ones, it's even more complicated because you, you have the death... You have the deaths of two married people who are in the foster care program as foster parents. You have the death of a school teacher. You have the death of the woman running the foster care center. You have, like, all these unaccounted deaths for, but nothing to really show for it, except for these two kids who claim that a good guy doll, yet again, came to life, tried to kill them, and it's what caused, like, the end of the good guy doll brand again. Mm. So I think that was an interesting concept. I, out of a five star scale, how would you rate this one? Uh, I give it about four. Four out of five? Mm-hmm. Okay. When I write these in my blog book, I usually go by ten. So out of ten, I gave it a 7.8 out of ten. I mean, so I agree with that, yeah. I would say on a five star scale, that's a 3.5 out of ten. Which is fair. I will say this though that reevaluating it on a more on like a podcast platform, like once we go over the fact that yes, we like it that Chucky is a little bit more assertive. Like he doesn't beat about even though this the ritual doesn't work, he never beats around the bush to wait for the right moments to strike. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always to the point, which I love. So I think that was an interesting way of character arc for Chucky going from part one to part two. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to add before we get into part three? No. Okay. So part three is a little different. Part it, three is a lot different. Part three is a little different. So it was released about a year later on August 30th, 1991. It has a runtime of an hour and 30 minutes and it was directed by Jack Bender. It stars Brad Dourif, sorry, Justin Wallen, who plays Andy, Which older he, Andy. He's in a lot of 90s films and tv shows he was like one of those big 90s heartthrobs yeah perry reeves and travis fine and the synopsis goes years after chucky the killer doll was supposedly destroyed in a warehouse fire toy manufacturers are remaking the same line of toys with old materials this time around chucky goes after a teenage andy in military school to finally kill him and to find a new host to possess Now, I think that's interesting because we got to keep in mind, so Andy was six in part one, he was eight in part two, now he's a teenager in part three, but it's never been confirmed what his actual age is. Like, what was he, like 13, 14? Yeah, which means some time has definitely gone by since the events of the second movie, but it's only been a year since the production and release of part three. Yeah, so they're just making it a timeline a different time period. Right. So... We see, again, the company that owns the Good Guy brand is trying to rebrand their image again. By using the old parts from the old Good Guy dolls from the warehouse fire, they have now revamped Chucky. Well, I shouldn't say revamped, but they re 
animate him into another good guy doll. So now, board mem- another board member of the, of the company is trying to figure out what are we going to do with all of these claims that these dolls are coming to life and killing people. So he looks up and is, you know, saying, well, Andy's a teenage boy now, and because of his record in the foster care system, he's now been turned over to the state to go to military school. So he's no longer a threat to our... He's an issue with them. Yeah, he's no longer an issue or a thorn in their side, to say the least. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that they're not safe because Chucky comes back to life and he kills the board member. And he does have some pretty punchy one-liners in, these, in this one. In this one, he's definitely a lot more comedic. And yeah. And definitely more punchy in one-liners and just everything else. Whenever he gets a chance to talk, there he goes with those goddamn one-liners. In, the, in that particular scene where he's killing the uh, board member, he says a couple of very interesting lines that I found a little bit humorous. He said, nothing like a strangulation to get the circulation going. And then another one is, he says, I think after he, he takes a golf club and he whacks the board member to subdue him. And he's like, yeah, nobody fucks with the Chuck. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, right. there we go. Hmm? Like, honestly, I get it. I'm like, I knew this was going to happen the third one, so. Yeah, and because this board member has Andy's files on his computer, Chucky was able to access them from his home office and find out where Andy specifically it's is located. so funny, too, because you see Chucky on the computer just, Yeah, like you can doing see his, his reflection like, in the computer screen, yeah. Yeah, and just, like, just him looking him up was just fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, I even have some stickers in my blog book that show Chucky that kind of almost look similar to how he looks in some of the movies. No. So he ships himself to this military school, and he's mailed to Andy. But this other kid who lives in the military school... The younger kid, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what his name is. Miles? Was it Miles? Pulled I, up. I think it was. Tyler, that's uh, his name. I was name. close, I was close. We were pretty close, but, I mean, Tyler's the kid who finds Chucky's... He finds Andy's package. He opens it up, and it's a good guy doll. Now, Tyler, like Andy when he was six years old, saw a commercial for the good guy doll and wanted one. Mm-hmm. And he sees that Andy has this package with a good guy doll in it, and he is entranced by him. But Chucky oh, yeah. reveals his identity to Tyler as soon as he opens up the package and realizes in that moment... I don't need to waste time in Andy. Yeah, I don't need to find I, Andy. I've already got you. a kid right yeah. here who I just revealed my identity to. If I can convince him to do the ritual, I can be in this kid's body within moments. Yeah. And he attempts to numerous times throughout the movie, but it, he always gets thwarted because somebody comes in at the wrong moment and interrupts the ritual. Chucky uses this time in between ritual sessions to try to go and find Andy, whether to try to kill him or torment him or whatever. Do you have any, like, moments in the movie that you, perf- like, remember? I love the part where uh, where Andy actually sees Chucky again and Chucky sees his porn collection or whatever because he sees a, a, a magazine of porn. Yeah, he's, he's Andy... Like, wow, looks like you've grown up, Andy. Yeah, that's <laughs> where we get a little bit more, like, again, humor in this one. Yeah. So... 
like there's there's been some moments that are pretty humorous so along with the board member for the toy company chucky goes in and i think one of his first victims is the school's barber right but she was a fucking creep yeah he i've never seen somebody get so fucking aroused by shaving people's heads and that's the vibe i got when i watched this guy's scenes yeah he's like presto you're bald which first of all not really a buzz cut is does not mean that you're bald. You have a very short haircut. That is it. Mm-hmm. So he sees Chucky, who iconically has like long reddish hair. So he tries to attempt to give Chucky a buzz cut. Chucky comes to life, takes a shaving razor, and kills the barber. And he's like, "Presto, you're dead!" Like mm-hmm. you know, again. Humor. Now I want to watch that fight. I know. And I don't even know where you can find this. Oh, you can find them. Let me see. It's on YouTube, Google Play Movies, Voodoo, and Amazon Prime. Wait, what the fuck? Because on Peacock, you can find the Chucky show, but also, I think some of the movies are on there, too. Yeah, maybe, like, some of the newer ones. I wouldn't say, like... Well, the first ones, like, the the first two, I know you can find them somewhere. Yeah, so it's very interesting. So the barber gets murdered. I think the first one's on Netflix. Yeah, so the barber gets murdered, and then I'm trying to figure out who else gets murdered, because I know the dean of the military school is a victim, but not in the way that you would think. So Chucky tries to get Tyler to do this ritual again, and I think he kind of like lures him to do this by saying, we're going to play a game called Hide the Soul. Which, to audiences, is not a good game you want to play. But to Tyler, he thinks it's just a game. Even though he, it's not a game that he would like to play because it sounds boring to him. He just wants to play with Chucky. So they go sneak off somewhere in the military campus. And they end up in the dean's office. And they run into t- two female cadet members. One of them is played by Donna Eskra. And she plays a cadet they call Ivers. They usually go, like, address people by last name basis. So she and her friend are, you know, they're sneaking around and they're, like, goofing off a little bit. Yeah, I think Ivers has a thing for Andy in the film. Yeah, she's Andy's love interest. So they, they find Tyler playing with Chucky and they decide to play around with it a little bit. And they put lipstick on him and then they hear the Dean coming and they all run away. They leave Chucky behind. The Dean finds him, doesn't think much of it, turns his back for a few seconds and then Chucky kind of disappears. And when he goes to investigate, Chucky pops out of nowhere and scares him and it causes the Dean to have a heart attack. He didn't even kill him, right? Yeah, and he's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. Because the Dean just drops dead of a heart attack. He doesn't get a chance to actually, like, kill him. So the Dean's dead, but that doesn't stop the military students from doing their practice training of the year. They do like this annual course where they take these paintball guns and, you know, they break up into teams and they pretend like they're at war and their mission is to take down the enemy team using paintballs. So they go out and they camp for the night and they, you know, go throughout their mission. And Chucky decides that this is a good opportunity to really even out the playing field so he switches out the paint bullets with real bullets bullets. so there's a scene where again it's nighttime they're out camping 
and Chucky has convinced Tyler yet again, we're going to play hide the soul. And he manages to get Andy worked up to the point where now both teams are aware that both, like one of their own from each team has gone AWOL. So now we got to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. So they get up, they encounter each other, they man their rifles, and they open fire, and it ends up resulting in some pe- some of them getting shot. One of them being... Uh, Shelton, who's played by Travis Fine. He's I hated the, him. He's, he's the ass. dickhead in the movie. He's a big dickhead. There's usually a character in almost every horror movie who's just that one dick that nobody likes, who kind of, you feel like, deserves to get his comeuppets. And Shel- Shelton's the kid who... He deserves it. Th- yeah, gets it rightfully so. So mm-hmm. during this open fire session between the two teams, Shelton gets shot and killed. And Chucky uses this moment to try to throw a grenade to really fuck shit up. And one of Andy's friends, whose name, again, I'm blanking a bit. Oh, it's Whitehurst. His roommate. Oh, yeah. So he's a dorky looking kid? He's a dorky kid who absolutely fucking hates being in military school. You know, like, remember how, like, in the Adams Family values, Wednesday meets that boy who, like, absolutely... It wasn't him, but it was it's sim- same dynamic. It's this yeah. kid who doesn't want to be there, but they have to be there because they're forced to be there. Mm-hmm. So Chucky Fult throws this grenade, Whitehurst sees it, and he jumps over it to try to protect everybody from getting severely hurt. But mm-hmm. it does cause him to get killed in the process. He so got killed. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not a very it's not a, it's a very bleak moment in all situations. Actually, uh, I wanted to say something. The guy who plays the barber in this movie, the mm-hmm. creepy barber, is actually the same dude who plays the father in Hellraiser. Really? Yeah. Hmm. In the first Hellraiser, he uh, he's the father to the to the daughter who finds uh, the yeah the cute finds the thing. thing. But he's the one okay. who had that his wife who was cheating on him with his like half brother. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I say cube thing because I've never watched Hellraiser yet. Mm. I have yet to watch it. I'll get to it eventually. But um, that's besides the point. We're not here to talk about Hellraiser yet. So yeah, so that happens during the camp out. And Andy Ivers uh, run after Tyler and Chucky. Chucky, you know, convinces Tyler to go to the nearby carnival. Which I'm surprised that there's a fucking carnival. Like, conveniently... Miles away from this camp, there's a carnival that they go to, and they hide out there. And it's just a weird fucking time. I don't know. How would you explain, like, the the final act of the movie? It was just... I forgot about half of it. Like, I know they take them up, like, a hill or something to do the whole sacrificing thing. There was, like, a little, like, mountain peak, it looks like, but yeah. it's not really a mountain. It's, like, a there's, little hilltop. There's, like, a ride in the carnival that's kind of like a... Like a scary ride, but then, there's yeah. there's this like makeshift mountaintop that Chucky convinces Tyler to go up to, and he tries to attempt the ritual for the final time. Yeah, Andy mm-hmm. Andy gets there in time to convince Tyler to come down and walk away from Chucky. Chucky gets pissed, tries to kill Tyler. A scuffle kind of happens, and then Chucky falls into this a fan, a big like fan yeah, that big ass cho- fan, yeah, yeah chops him up into pieces, and that's how the movie kind of ends. And I don't mean to, like, totally skirt over part three, but part three is, like... Not really that good. 
It's not a fan favorite, I will say. On IMDb, it got a 5.9 out of 10, and on Rotten Tomatoes, it got a 23% mm. rating. So it's not that great of yeah. a film. Yeah, I will really say, like, it, it had its moments for what it was, but I think that overall, it was not a movie that needed to be... <sighs> It's one of those films that you find on cable TV on Sundays when people doesn't really watch it. When, people, when there's nothing else good on and you yeah. just like want to watch something. And there's that shit movies on and then you have Child's Play 2 and they're like, oh, at least... Three. Not 3, but at least, oh, at least that's on. Right. Because I remember that was always on on Sundays when I was a kid. It was on Sci-Fi Channel and they would have that on. They wouldn't have Child's Play on, but they would have the sequels on. Yeah, and... I did put down my review. The reason why these sequels hold up better than other franchises is because it doesn't lose the sense of horror among the light humor peppered throughout the movies. However, I think expanding the time gap within a year's worth of production wasn't a great decision, like I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Out of 10, I gave this a 7.3 out of 10 rating. But I will say I probably out of five stars, I'd probably give this a two point five out of out of five. What do you think? Do I have to rate this? Because I just feel like I mean if you had to. I don't know, I'd just give it a one. Okay. It a ru- one out of five. Yeah, it ruined it for me. It it hurts, but I mean It does. Love hurts. It's, it's but yeah. But I mean It is what it is. But it's cool you know? because it later when we talk about the series and everything, yeah. they'll make references to the third movie as well. Hi friends, it's Aaliyah. As I'm editing this episode, I realized that there was quite a few things that I forgot to include prior to talking about Child's Play 3, and I got some information mixed up, so I just wanted to clear that up before we conclude our episode. So the time frame between part two and part three is eight years, so that would make Andy 16 years old. And we got the names confused with one of the actresses, so we said earlier that... Donna Eskra plays Ivers. Now, I don't know why Google decided to change the names up that way, but her character's name actually in the show is Kristen Da Silva. So she goes by Da Silva, and she plays Andy's love interest in this film. There are a total of six deaths in this movie, and in order, they are CEO board member Mr. Sullivan, a garbage truck driver, Colonel Cochran, who died of a heart attack while being scared by Chucky, Sergeant Botnick, who was the barber of the military school, then Shelton, and then Whitehurst. And that is the chronological order of victims who die in the movie Child's Play 3. Like I said, the, the trauma that comes with Andy throughout the series is one that he clearly cannot shake. You know what I mean? Even going into his adulthood, which when we get into the curse of Chucky and the cult of Chucky and the TV show, we'll definitely double more into it. But it's definitely something that sticks with Andy for a very, very long time. Because essentially Chucky ruined his life. You know? Yeah. Like, he was a kid who just wanted a cool toy to play with. He just wanted to have a good childhood. and Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's all kids want when they're younger. They want to have a good childhood. They just want to have fun and be happy. So he just basically ruined his life. He, he probably feels like, because I felt like my mom needed to give me a cool toy to make me happy, this is what I got, and now I'm paying for it for life. 
and that's a pretty shitty feeling. So I can understand why, as an adult, Andy becomes this very cynical, morose kind of character. Makes sense. I think the first three movies definitely does what it does in terms of long-term storytelling here. <laughs> you want to explain that a little bit before we... Uh, wrap this up. Well, long-term toy- storytelling <laughs> is... Ba- shut up. Anyway, long, <laughs> long-term storytelling is basically like a story from a long time ago that keeps on continuing little by little. Even when it ends, it still continues until it finally hits its closure. And then you have another one that comes up. Even when you start something new, you kind of ended it and then you continue it, but later. And it's like this long-term story that never ends but it does end eventually but it still has that you know it still has a sense of relevancy relevancy and that reference from the past yeah i've seen stuff like this the best part about it is that there's a story within a story that keeps going we've been using the term long-term storytelling lately as like an inside joke where we will we will make a joke about something like the past in the past that holds relevancy to what we talk about currently. Yeah. And then we bring it up again, and then Colin yells out, Long-term storytelling! Yeah, I'm, <laughs> like, like, I'm like, I'm like getting excited. I'm like, that's what I call long-term storytelling! But <laughs> I think in this case with Child's Play, Andy's story clearly has yet to be completed. Yeah. It's still ongoing, but these first three films definitely give us a layout as to... A kid who was traumatized by something that happened in his childhood and how no matter how much older he gets, it never escapes him. It never leaves him. Mm-hmm. It's always going to be something Bites that... Bites him in the ass. Yeah. It, it's like as long as Chucky is still oh. out there, whether in physical or spiritual form, he's never going to leave Andy's life. And that's something that Andy has to live with for the rest of his life, and which is, is just very horrifying. sad. It's sad. Yeah. So I think the first three movies, for what they are, they're pretty decent. Mm-hmm. They build up the story for the continuations pretty well. Mm-hmm. What do you think overall? Man, the movie sucked, but yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean like in, out oh. of the, all three. All three of them? Oh yeah. yeah, no, it's great. I mean, they hit hard, and with the first one, hit very good. And then sometimes along the way, it just goes down one after another. And I think the first two are definitely pretty good. They're hard the, hitters. They are, that's for sure. The third one wasn't as strong as the other two. The third one was just going soft. But it definitely shows how, even as a teenager, after time has passed between the events of the second movie and the third movie... It's still something that Andy cannot get over. I think with the third you one, they should I mean? have just wrote a better story and just lay off the too many like one-liners. I mean, I love one-liners. Don't get me wrong and everything, but there's got to be a constant line between of what's funny and what's supposed to be scary. Right. And I think I love movies that are very silly and scary at the same time, but there are certain movies and characters that shouldn't be that too zany. Right. You know, and I feel like with this one. If they focus more on the story in hand instead of using all these one-liners and like his humor and all this stuff and everything, they would have been just as good as the first two. Right. And they would have been very successful. But we see how it is now. And this movie yeah. has been out for like, what, 31 years? So yeah. yeah, I mean, the third movie was released in 1991. Yeah. So that's been well over 30 years. Yeah, 31. But yes. Well, yeah. I'm, I was born in 93, which was two years after the release of the third movie. And I was so born in 89, a year after the first movie. I'm almost 30 years old. 
Oh my. Almost 30 years old. And I am almost... I don't know. I don't want to get, like, too, like, into it, but I'm just going to say that turning 30 is a type of feeling where it's almost like you feel old, but at the same time, you know that you're not that old. But then your you know elders I mean? are going to look at you and be like, Psh. Yeah, like, you're going to get people who are older than you being like, you don't know what old feels like until you reach this. And it's like, first of all, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like, Why do you have to be insulting? If anything, yeah. relate to me, bitch. Man. Yeah, like, I can be tired, I can be worn out, I can be, like... We can all feel that way. Crumudget, like... Oh, I, I like can, that, crumudget. I'm gonna write that yeah. down. So this, <laughs> I think that this is a good conclusion to part one of the Child's Play franchise speed review. It's, it's a, bit, a little bit lengthy, but we still got two more parts before we can finish uh, up Child's Play it as a whole. Yay. So... Like I said earlier, next week we're going to cover part two. We're going to cover Bride of Chucky, Seed of Chucky, and the Chucky remake. Or the Child's Play remake. And then the following week we're going to cover Curse of Chucky, Cult of Chucky, and the Chucky Show Season 1. Is there anything you want to talk about before we wrap up? No. Alright. I'm good. But thank you all for tuning in on today's episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. We hope you enjoy it. I'm your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. Signing off saying... Nobody fucks with the Chuck. Oh, would you shut up?